Hey, hey, welcome back to the world's top ranking podcast in absolutely no category whatsoever. Behind the mic, me, David Cotter. My guest on the show this week is a top ranking, world record holding endurance athlete from Leitrim. Ricky Wynn has competed in ultra races for about seven years now, and he's one of Ireland's finest ultra running athletes. With regular first place finishes at races nationally and even top 10 finishes in some of the most significant ultra events in Europe. We talk all things mindset, training, nutrition, recovery and the motivation behind the triumphant world record attempt on Croke Patrick in June 22 in aid of motor neurons disease. This one is an absolute belter. Just before the episode starts, can I ask again for the listeners of this podcast give it a rating on Spotify and subscribe on YouTube. So why does this matter? Because when I contact guests to come on the podcast, I need stone cold evidence that coming on this podcast is not a waste of their time. And ratings are one of the best ways to gauge the listener's relationship with the podcast. So if you're a one-off listener or a regular listener, get that thumb out and smash the damn five-star rating like a legend. If you're on YouTube, subscribe and like the video. Now, time for episode 29, completing a world record on Crow Patrick for motor neurons disease. Ricky, delighted to have you on, man. It's been um, it's been a while since we first got in contact. Um, I must admit, and I think, to the best of my knowledge, it's the first time I've ever had someone with a with a world record on the podcast. So, uh, congratulations. How are you? Yeah, cheers, man. Thanks a million for having me on. Um, yeah, it's been a long time coming. I think you reached out to me maybe just after I did it and I was supposed to come on and it just didn't happen. So I'm, I'm delighted to be here. I'm delighted to be talking with you now, finally. Yeah, man, I, I love I love following um, endurance athletes more like because I like going to the gym and stuff like that. And I do I do small runs myself. I'm actually getting kind of back into it now again, which is good because I went through a stage of doing a lot of running. But there's something about following kind of the endurance athletes. There's just a bit more substance to it, I feel, you know, than uh, no, nothing against Jim Gores or, you know, GA or anything like that. But for me, it's it's really interesting because there's something with you guys in the psych. And maybe you'll you'll tell me this. It's it's it always seems like you have um, a level of demons that you're fighting. Is that fair to say? Uh, I don't know. Like that. I got into it because I, I saw some very, very cool runners like Anton Kapitschka and uh, Killian Jornet and stuff like that, you know. And yeah, people go on about the demons and there's a lot of runners that have a dark edge to them and they have a dark side and they, they have a few problems here and there and, and, and they seem to get something out of that pain cave as such, you know. Mm. But it's very funny, like, I'm almost the polar opposite of that. I think that with... um a certain level of training, you keep that pain cave at bay, you know? Mm. I'm not searching for that pain, man, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm I'm trying to push my body as far as it can go without hurting that much. And then when the hurt does come, yeah, you've got to deal with it. But I'm hoping that I don't have to deal with it for hour after hour after hour. I'm hoping that I can get my body in a physical condition that it can it can do the job, you know? Yeah, but like you're like you're I read there earlier, you're not in ultra that long, you know, like because you talk to some people are in it 10, 15 years, but you're only in it since about 2015. Is it really you're competing since 2015? We'll say, yeah, like I'm actually going in. This will be my seventh year 
competing. Yeah, I think sixth or seventh year. So like that, yeah, I'm to me, I'm still a baby in this game, you know, like I'm 40 years of age now, which again, it's not young, but in the ultra game, it's not old either, you know, mm. and it's it's funny. It's like I played football all my life and uh, I suppose I did that, you know, and I did a few 5Ks and 10Ks, but I never put my body through the ringer that I'm kind of putting it through now. And I think that's maybe standard to me now that I'm only doing it six or seven years, you know. But at the same time, I started increasing my volume and my intensity and in training at a certain age where my body was fully developed and, and ready to take on that challenge. You know? Yeah. No, that's actually interesting as well there when you said that um, you're not like, like obviously to the best, you're not, you're not fighting any demons that you know of like inside you because, you know, like it would actually almost put you off like, getting into a sport like this because like for me from the outside looking in I'm like oh all these motherfuckers that are doing this race like they're searching for something they're trying to kill whatever demons because of the likes of you know the David Gogginses and things like these guys you see all these endurance athletes and they've been brought up rough but for someone like me that's just adding a, a distinctly average upbringing you know grand privilege like you know like I had to do my work since I was 15 or 16 but like you know I did not have a hard life by any stretch but it just makes actually the sport a small bit more approachable now, you know, because I think, it's, you know, like an average dude can do it. Yeah, of course. Like, like anyone can do this. You know, I, I think anyone can do ultras. Anyone can run any distance they want. You'd be like, uh, what, what amazes me is what your body can do. You know, it's it's unbelievable what I can put this little body of mine. I'm five foot two for anyone that can't see me. You know, I weigh about 55 kilo. Like, there's nothing to me, you know. But I have an engine that can go. And it's just so amazing that it can go and go and go. And then it can recover. And it can go and go and go. And it can recover. And it can keep doing that over and over again. And that's not because I'm a freak or genetically this, that, or the other. I'm just an average guy that puts in the work. And if you're willing to put in a little bit of the work, your body will do you do everything for you like it's it's amazing what your body can do that's that's what draws me in and that's what keeps bringing me back to the sport that i just love to see what i can do what's next what's next what's next you know yeah what's like um the guys you're competing with now we'll say you know the usual guys that you'd be competing with from meet to meet um do do you know from you looking at them do they have like you know uh, um you know, we'll say like a distinctive feature about them. Would they be tall guys, short guys? Or is there, it doesn't matter what shape or size you are. You know, it depends on the person, how well you perform. Yeah, exactly. Like I have certain friends that do this and they're very, very good. And they look like a runner. You look at them, you go, yeah, that guy's a runner. He's tall, he's lean. There's not a lot of body fat on him. He's probably a very good runner. But then I have other friends who, you know what I mean? They look like gym lads. Like they look like they have big shoulders, big arms, big legs. You'd be thinking, I don't know, this lad doesn't, but they can go the distance, man. And they've got power, you know. So they're very good on the on the races that have more mountains, more vertical elevation. We'll say, you know, the lean runner. Yeah, he's probably very good on the road. But ultras just throw everything at you, and it they break you down. So it doesn't matter that you could be a very good ten k runner. You know, you could be a very good half marathon runner. It doesn't really matter because mm. once you get over 60, 70, 80 Ks into a race, I'm sorry, that, that 10K training, that's not going to stand to you there. You know, that marathon training, yeah, it's going to get you so far, but you're running 80K now, you know. And then it's like 
anybody can win. And that's what I think is so cool about this sport is that anybody can win, you know. As in, mm. if you stay in the fight long enough, you can you can win, you know. Mm. You just got to hang in there, right? I think that's just so cool. Like, I've been in races in France where I actually beat Francois Dehaene in a race, man. Francois Dehaene is like one of the best runners on this planet. And he just had a bad day when <laughs> I was racing against him, you know. And that's the shit that can happen over an ultra. Like, these unbelievable runners can have bad days, you know. Yeah, yeah. Is Do you think that um, your slighter frame, do you think that's a help, you know, like um, keeping off injuries and stuff there now? Because I'm thinking of myself, like, I'm probably the bones. I'm probably 95 kg at the moment. Like, I'm six foot three. Like does that slighter frame like for yourself now do you think that that kind of helps saving off injuries or is it again like just fucking not gonna draw uh, again you would have pros and cons with it like i definitely think there's a pro on the on the climbs because i weigh very little and I, it probably takes less energy to get me to the top of the mountain as it does someone like yourself but then again you're looking at you, right? You're saying you're six foot three, you're 95 kilos. That means you're six foot three, you're tall, right? Mm. So you've got big long legs on you. You're not carrying a lot of weight if you're six foot three and you're only 95 kilos, which means you you were pretty mobile, like so mm. you could be pretty mobile. So you'll have certain strengths that I won't have, but then I'll have certain strengths that you won't have. You know, yeah, more yeah. than likely, I'm probably going to be quicker on the downhill than you, just because my lower center of gravity is going to just make me quicker over that, you know. But then on the flat, who's to know? You know, you could be a lot quicker than me because you have that leg length, you know. And mm. there's just so many variables into yeah. it. You know, it's 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 like uh, there's no I don't know. There's no set person. There's no. It's not like marathon running. I think you know. There, there's a certain type. It's like cycling, like Tour de France yeah. cyclists. There's a certain physique that they have, you know, and that's what works. And it's worked time and time again where they're so lean up top. They have big quads on them. But everything else, they're a bag of bones on the bike, you know. But yeah. ultra running is different. It's, it's, you can be lean, all right, but I still think you need to have a little bit of muscle on you. You have to have power because you're going for such a long time, you know. Yeah. And when, like, when you say back in 2015 or 16 there, when you're kind of getting into it, do you get into it, like, you yourself now, like, uh, did you get into it via, like, where you competing in a 5 and a 10K and you were like, fuck, I want to kind of push a bit further here now, you know, or how was it? Like, how because it, it is, I presume it's a quite intimidating sport to get into, like, because you're thinking, because people talk about the marathon and how hard that is. But when you're up in these fucking crazy numbers like that, it takes nearly an hour and a half, two hours to drive it. You're kind of yeah. thinking, Jesus Christ, man, you know. Well, it's it's funny for me like that. I played football till I was 32 and like I had done as much as I was going to do in football. I, I thought that, look, I'd given all I could and I needed something else. I needed another challenge. I was at that stage of my life where you, when you're playing club football, you're you're playing with a team of 15 lads. But. You know, in, in a lot of the time, it's four or five lads that are pulling the team along and the other lads are sort of sitting in and having it handy. And I always thought I was one of those four lads. And I would have been one of those four lads that was working me whole off for year after year after year. And then I just got to the stage where, look, I'm 32 now. I'm kind of, I'm done with this now. I need something else. And I want to focus more on me rather than the team. So 
I got into obstacle course racing. I just thought that was a cool looking sport. I looked at like the tough mothers and the Spartan races and I thought that's something I could be pretty good at because right now I'm about 55 kilo. Back then in 2015, I was closer to 60 kilo. I had a lot more muscle on me. I spent more time in the gym because I was playing football as well. I was I needed to be bigger to take the hits that I was getting on the football mm-hmm. field. But at the same time, I was still pretty mobile. I was still pretty quick. And I thought, obviously, of course, racing could suit me. So I did one or two races and I did okay in them. You know, I did like, I might have finished in the top 10 out of maybe 100 people. And I was thinking, yeah, I mean, you know what? I could be actually decent enough at this if I if I trained hard, you know, so... That's what I did. I, I put the work in and I got pretty good at that. And then I was coming third in a lot of races. And then I was coming second. And then I was winning these races. And then obviously the course race in Ireland have, had a league at the time. There was loads of these all over the place. They're kind of gone now with insurance and claims. And mm. they're kind of all falling away at the minute. But back then in 2015, it was huge. You know, there was maybe 15 or 20 races here in Ireland. Like, and I was lucky enough to... It was very competitive then, and there was a few lads. There was a guy called Paul Minogue, Paul Malloy. These lads were very good at it, and I was having great battles with these lads. And I ended up winning the series out in 2015, I think. And then I got invited over to Tough Mother in Nottingham. And that was an eight-hour endurance event. So it was uh, an obstacle course race with 90 obstacles on it over a five-mile loop. And it started at 12 o'clock at night time and it just ran for eight hours. And you had to see how many loops you could get, you know. And my younger brother, he was there as well because he was doing it. He was doing it over in Norway. And that's kind of what got me into it as well. We we were kind of doing it at the same time we were talking about it. He was doing it over there. I was doing it over here. But he also got invited over to do that race in Nottingham as well. And we said we worked together for the day. And out of three and a half thousand people, we finished 10th and 11th. Jesus. He was 10th and I was 11th, yeah. But we walked away from that. And it, like you would be thinking, all right, these lads are going to go at this full time now. They're going to try and... But no, man, it was the eight hours of running. And we were hooked, man. We were like, we just fucking ran for eight hours. Man, that was unreal. Like, it was deadly. Mm. Like, we had wetsuits on us and everything. Because you were running through, like, lurries. Arctic lorry trailers full of ice water and you were uh, dipping down. It was unreal. Like it was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. But at the end of it, I was thinking, man, I got to do an ultra run because I never, I hadn't ran a marathon at this stage. I had only done a couple of 5Ks and 10Ks. And I said, I'm doing an ultra. And would say within, within the next year, I had done uh, an ultra over in France called the Maxi Race, which is an 85K mountain race. And then I came home and two weeks later I did a 50k on the on the road, you know. So like that that's that's what got me started. That's what got me into it, you know. So did you go like from from these um, obstacle races straight to the 85k over in France? That was your first ultra, the 85k. No, I, I, I'm actually wrong there. What I did was um, I went in 2016. I went and I did the Portumna 50k. Hmm. So never ran a marathon you know like i'd done a few 10ks and i never did a marathon but i at the same time i knew i had to put the training in you know i knew what a training block was i knew what a marathon training block looked like so i just kind of just threw my sort of winged it a bit you know i've never had a coach and i winged it a bit and i got on the start line and i look i was sort of like 
I, I have that sort of confidence where I think I can do pretty well in this. I'm not saying I'm going to win it, but mm. I'd like to be up there in the mix, you know. I'd like to be in the top 10 or something like that. I ended up coming second in that race, and that was my first ever ultra. Jeez. But my, my time was average. It was like I was just under four hours, which which isn't a bad time, but it's not a brilliant time. It's, not, it's nothing amazing about it. And then you see what happened was the following year, I said, right, I'm going back to that race, and I'm winning that race, you know. And so I went back the following year, and then I had done that maxi race in France three weeks before that race. But when I went back to Portomna, I ran Portomna and I won Portomna and I set the course record of, I ran it in three hours and 22 minutes, I think. Yeah. So I took 23 minutes off my time in less than a year. Like, you know, was there any point in that first race that you did that was overly difficult or was it kind of, you were fairly comfortable throughout, like no, no, it was a shit show, man. <laughs> was oh, was show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like during my training for it, I I had done too much because I had done what everybody does when they get into something is they do too much too soon. You know, it's like the the most common injury on the planet. It's like I had a I had runner's knee, okay, because I was just doing too much. You know, I was doing, I was probably running a hundred kilometers a week not really knowing what I was doing. And I was running every single run I was doing, man. I was running at about 4.14, 4.15 a <laughs> kilometre, you know, because I thought the only way to get fast is to run fast. Gas yourself out all the time. Yeah. yeah, you know. So I'm the first person to hold my hand up and say, man, I made so many mistakes getting to where I am today. Like, you know, I made all the mistakes. And that's where I, I like to say, like, look, you can ask me anything because I've done it all wrong. But yeah, I know yeah. how to tell you not to do it all wrong, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's um, that's always good to hear as well. Like, cause I, I, I always kind of like equate that situation to, like, right now, like you're you're one of the best ultra runners in in Ireland, aren't you? Like at the moment, and it just goes to show, like, seven years ago, you were willing to make all these mistakes in order for the payouts you know maybe four or five years later like you know and it, for it to all pay off and eventually for you to do the, the mad run-up croak patrick last year like but it's like if you know jordan peterson like he actually says you have to be willing to be the fool in order to become the master like you know and it's it's exactly yeah. that situation man like you have and like when you're getting into something anyway like you're not gonna know what pace is good you're not like you can hear these things on youtube or you might have a friend that's doing it but like you said you're not going to know what a training block is anyway number one what length of a training block to do for what length of a race like i'm sure if i tried to run a half marathon in the morning or in a couple of weeks time i would do the training completely wrong just out of not knowing what it is like so yeah like i think now it's it's got so much more i don't know like of course there was running before i was running you know but I didn't know so many people that were doing what I was wanting to do at the time. And I didn't know who to ask. You know, I didn't have anyone to ask. So I always say, like, when you don't know, you don't know. You, know, mm. you, you just don't know. And you can, you can, I was just winging it at the time, you know. And I was thinking, well, like, your man there, that's what he's doing. So I'm going to try that, you know. But, I mean, like, now I'm completely different. I, I have a set way of training again still i have no coach i've never had a coach because it's just something that kind of a structure it's not for me really you know it's just like 
my job, everything like that. I'm in construction and uh, look, there's days where I'm absolutely flat on the floor and I just say to myself, look, I have to go and run 20K today, but I ain't doing a session today. I mightn't do a session tomorrow. I'll do it when I'm ready to do it, you know, that kind of yeah. way. So, yeah, and I know what works for me and what doesn't work for me. You know, the coaches are brilliant. They're, you know, that's what somebody needs. They're dead, dead right to go and get a coach. But for me, it's just, I don't need one. Like, I don't want one, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. What does um, what does your kind of training blocks now consist of? Like, are you constantly working towards the next competition, or are you just maintaining what you have, knowing that you can, you know, just apply to this fucking race and do handy enough on it? Like, yeah. Well, now I get very specific. So at the minute now, I'm training for the Mars Mullins eighty k race. So that's eighty k with three and a half thousand meters of climbing. So right now, I'm kind of in the middle of my block. I'm probably running 130 kilometers a week with maybe three and a half to 4,000 uh, meters of elevation every week for the last six or seven weeks. But at the same time, it built up to that. So I I would have like, whatever my last race was, I finished that. I probably took a week off, maybe two weeks off. And then I start to build again. And I'd start down at like 60K, add 10%, you know, every week until I was feeling strong. And mm-hmm. then I ramp it up then to 130. And I, I could do more than 130, but for me, that's just what works for me. I know that's what works for me. It's the kind of volume where I know I'm getting sort of like productive training out of that volume, but I'm not overtraining because I have to be very careful. Like my job is very manual labor intensive. So it's like I could burn out very easily if I push the training too hard, like, and I'm still having to go to work, like. So that just works for me. That's that's what works for me. But I get very specific as in I'll know the trail. I'll recce the trail. I'll try and get down to Wicklow and run on that course as much as I can. And up here, I'll try and mimic that as best I can because, mm. you know, you try and you try and leave everything. You try and leave nothing to chance that you've covered all the bases and you've you've that way when you turn up on race day, you're just you're ready to go. You know, you don't have to be worried about anything else. You're just you're just focused on getting your nutrition in, getting your pace right, and then hanging on, you know? Yeah. I like I suspect now seven years in, or seven years into your 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 ultra running career that there is very little well, I suppose you're probably learning all the time, but there's probably very little there isn't many times that you're on a race now where something catches you by surprise and a feeling that you haven't had before on a previous race or you know um an injury or a tweak that you're feeling that you don't know how to handle when it comes upon you like what were the first couple of times like you know when you're getting to the point where your fucking legs are feeling like lead and you've never felt like that before what are you using as your framework to power through that because like i suppose you're probably you probably don't have earphones so you can't listen to a good old rap tune or edm or whatever you choose whatever your poison is what are you choosing to kind of keep yourself plodding through do you have something that you're talking to yourself about or you know what was the first kind of things that you laid for yourself to catch through the difficult moments we'll say in the in the first few years i would have listened to music i definitely would have listened to music because I, not, now I race different, you know, when you're racing against the best lads, you kind of want to be just honest. So the music is out for me now so that I'm just very focused on me. I'm very focused on them and, and you're trying to listen to them. You're trying to just figure them out. Plus, to be honest with you, at that level, you know, when you're running 80K for maybe 40 or 50K, you're actually having a bit of crack with them lads because they're at the same level as you, you know what I mean? And mm. And 
all of us are fit enough to be able to have a chat and you're trying to work each other out and you're trying to feel each other out and you're you're you know, hoping that you could talk the ear off something that maybe and break him like you know. Yeah, yeah. I I'm very good at that, so I am. <laughs> I think lads give up because they get sick of listening to me. <laughs> but um but in the early years I definitely had music, man, because music is something that you know, I, I think I, everyone gets this from music that if you're in the gym even, you know, you have a good beat in your ear and it it just your mind can focus on that and it can just enjoy that music or whatever and it can just take your mind off the pain that you're in at that minute like you know but you'll have loads of different things like your legs are hurting like but like we'll say when i was first at this you were cramping up you know you were getting tight glutes hamstrings were cramping calves were cramping horrific pain here there and everywhere you know and that's yeah i call that the pain cave but that pain cave came about because I didn't really know what I was doing and I definitely didn't know how to train for that. You know, I thought, yeah, I'm pretty fit. You know what I mean? I did this and I did that. So I should be able to do this race handy enough. And then bang, that race just wallops you. Mm. And it's, and it's just a struggle fest. You know, you put the tunes on, you listen to that and then your head just goes to those places where, you know, you, you just, you just have to finish. You just have to finish, you know, and nine times out of 10, you're, you will finish unless you've got a, a an injury, you know, Nine times out of ten, you will finish. You know. Yeah. So if if do you did you have like um a mental dialogue that you were having with yourself, like you know, come on, Ricky boy, you know, like there's people counting on you to finish this, you know, or you know, like because I suppose at times, like definitely in the early years, you know, when you're not used to feeling that sort of pain or dim sort of kind of fuck this crack like you know i could be out here for another two or three hours like you know it's wet it's miserable i could just call whoever's on my support team there just come collect me i'm fucking i'm gassed like are you saying like um because i I know well from listening to the likes of you know goggins there and i know connor connor o'keefe there i kind of follow him on instagram as well like you know their kind of thing is one foot in front of the other like you know just one step at a time you know because they'll amount to you know like a big amount after a while is that it was that ever something for you like or were you kind of mentally so, something very football? yeah something very similar is you break it down like in a race normally every 20 percent of the race there's an aid station there's somewhere to get a drink there's somewhere to get a gel there's somewhere to fill a water bottle or whatever and you just like they're the little things you just have to focus on I just need to get here. You know, I just need to get here. And once you get there, then you say, I just need to get to the next spot. I just, and you break it down. But I still do that. You know what I mean? I still do that in races where I still go, all right, you just need to get to this section of the race. Don't worry about athletes till you get to that section of the race, you know? And you break it down into small chunks because if you just think that, man, I'm 30K in and my legs are fried, man. I, I'm done here and mm. I've got 50K to go you know, you're just going to want to quit. Like, you're just going to want to quit. So you just have to tell yourself, I just need to get 5K down the road, you know. I need to get that 10K down the road. And then when you get to that 10K, you just have another 10K to go. And then you get to that one, you just have another 10K. And you just break it down like that. You Try and keep it as simple as you can, you know. Like, don't overcomplicate the thing. And don't fill your head with, like, you're always going to have those doubts saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, you know. But at the same time, if you put in the train and more than likely you'll have those moments where you think, do you know what, this will pass, this will pass, you know, and you'll have a purple patch and you'll go good again. And 
it's amazing how it actually will you know i've seen so many people that they're dead and buried in the middle of a race but then coming across the finish line man they're sprinting they're sprinting mm. across the finish line they had more to give you always have more to give like yeah 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 because like i did the most i've ever i'm kind of you know trying to figure out for myself like you know just like what's the best thing to carry it through because the most i've ever run um was 21k but i remember the same day i felt quite good at the 21k and once i reached the 21k i was like let's go for 25 you know like yeah let's go for 25 come on you can push it and i just remember getting to to kilometer 22 and i probably should have stopped when i got the half marathon you know because i had my achievement done you know but i was just you know getting greedy then and to this day i still look back and it's like you know that was a failure like you didn't reach the 25 but my initial goal was the 21 point, whatever, like, or... Yeah, but I, I'll tell you what happened there. And this this is... I, I, I do talk about this a good bit. If if I go out on a run and I say, I'm going to run 14 kilometers, right? If I say, I'm going to go 14K. And then I get to 14K and I say to myself, I'm going to do... Or I'm, I get to about 12K and I say, do you know what? I'm going to do 16K. But when I get to 14K, because I said that to myself, earlier on before i went for the run i think my brain has told my legs no we're only doing 14k a day mm-hmm. and it doesn't want to go a foot longer it doesn't want to go a meter longer and i think that's the same it's like when i do these big long runs i'm not messing i say this say hey, if it was a 100k race and i ran five kilometers i would say it to the person next to me and i wouldn't be joking they might think i'm joking i'd say only 95 to go and that's yeah. exactly what I tell myself. Yeah, it's yeah. Only ninety-five to go, yeah. because if I say, you know, because what could happen is you could get lost, and you could take a wrong turn, and you turn that hundred k race into a hundred and ten k race. Oh, you know? And if you tell yourself that when you get lost, you probably won't finish that race. You know. Yeah, yeah. But you have to be ready to just turn your brain off and say it'll be finished when it's finished. But one thing for sure. It will get finished, mm. you know. That that's that's the only way I looked at. It. Like I did a race there in Sweden in November with my younger brother Brian, <laughs> and uh, the two of us ended up doing brilliantly in the race. We ended up finishing eighth. It was a UTMB World Series race. We finished joint eighth. It was brilliant. It was one of the coolest things I ever did. Like that's a massive race, mm. and um, and I was in charge of the pace I said to Brian I said look Brian because Brian was after having one or two races it didn't go that well for him and I said look I went over it was in Sweden I says you're doing this race with me and we said sound sound and I says I will do the pace you don't worry about the pace I'll push the pace you just hang on tight and he goes sound I said you are in charge of the GPS because it was marked but at the same time it started at 11 o'clock at night time so it was nine hours in the dark and this is in Sweden in November, you know, oh, it's Christ, black. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um black dark. And I said, You are just in charge of the GPS. You just keep an eye on that watch and make sure we're not taking another wrong. We took about four wrong turns in the first fucking <laughs> twenty K, man. You know, I said, Oh Brian, you're killing me. And we ended up running hundred and eight kilometers in a hundred and one kilometer race, you know. And I knew we were going to end up a lot longer, you know. But if I had said to myself, oh, geez, we're after adding on 5K there, 6K there, you know, that'd break you. After a while, that'd break you. You just have to kind of block that out and say, look, it'll be done when it's done. We just keep the shoe down until it's done. 
Yeah, I, I'd say if I was ever to do an ultra or even, you know, start off and do a marathon or a, a 50k race, I'd have to have someone tell me that the race is about 70k just in order <laughs> for me to finish the 50k. Yeah. I'd have to make up some fucking lie to myself because I'm I'm naturally quite a lazy person. Like I just make myself go and do them. Now I've not run that distance in a while. Like, but I just, I just remember like the feeling in my legs, like when I got to that 22 or 23k, I can't remember what it was. And the disgust I felt with my legs, I was like, you fucking bastards. Like, and I, <laughs> and I just I just started walking and I was like, you're a pathetic man, you're pathetic. But like when I look back, I'm like, sure, you should have just stopped with the 21. Like, you know, like because that's what I'd set out to do that morning. Like, you know, and but it was just greed, you know, when you're on top of the world, you know, I'd finished the 21 and I just got greedy and wanted more. But sure, look, I suppose that's human nature. Like that's human nature, man. That's the best thing about it. Like it's that. We always want more, you know, we always want more, right? Like there's there's so many cool things that I wanted to do, right? And then I did them. And then I wanted to do more. That's just that's that's just I don't know, evolution. It's just what you have to do. It's like there's no point sitting back and thinking, Oh, well, I done that now, so what'll I do? I'll just sit in my hole for the rest of your life. No, yeah, man, yeah. you just chase down the next thing, you know. And like I do always try and tell people, like, look, don't be looking at me, don't be saying, Oh, I couldn't do what you doesn't matter what I do, you know, mm. everyone to their own, as in you push your body to your body's limits. Like, you know, it's 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 not about copying somebody else. Like, you know, do you do your own cool shit? Like, you know, yeah, yeah. And do you like um, if I presume you keep yourself well busy with with an event or like to look forward to all the time. But is there times when your calendar is empty and you put the legs up for a couple of weeks or is that just not a thing for you because it just goes to shit or see i like to think that i don't uh, look uh, as far as i'm aware right i don't have any mental health issues i don't right mm -hmm. i'm a very upbeat person i don't have any stress in my life i don't have any problems in my life but there's certain things that i know are like a bit off with me as in the minute i do something I don't think about it. I want to do something else. That's, I mean, the second it's done, it's, I forget about it. Like people would be saying, oh, geez, you remember you? I said, no, I, when, when is that? I, I can't even remember. What's next? What's next? What's next? And I never sort of sit in the moment and really enjoy the moment. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. For me, I think it's a great thing. You know, mm. I think it's like a superpower. It's like, I'm never happy with anything that I do. I just want to do something else after. Mm -hmm. And that just keeps me hungry and keeps me super motivated as well. That, all right, what's next? You know, what have you done lately, Rick? You've done that. Do something else. Do something else. So that's kind of where my mentality is. So I plan my race out. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, I do a race and then I have some downtime. So I could take a week off. So I would take a week off training, off everything. I wouldn't even get up on the bike for one week. And then after that, I would have to start training, you know. But yeah. then you see, I have a goal probably set out that maybe in four months or five months time, there's another race happening. So I have to be then getting ready because i love a training block like people love racing i love training blocks i love a 16 week training block where i am just in it for 16 weeks and i am thinking about nothing but mm. that race i love that you know i just people think oh jesus 16 week training block that sounds terrible oh man i love yeah, it yeah. like yeah yeah that's man that's just enjoying the process isn't it like you know that's like the race is the tip of the iceberg and then like if the training block is everything that's underneath that's fucking brilliant that you enjoy it like but do you know even even with myself there like um 
on a much lesser level to you on a cardiovascular level like but I would I'd, I'd be of the same opinion as you like I don't know I don't think I struggle with any mental health issues or anything like that I'm quite an upbeat person um but even on the days that I wouldn't work out whether that's lift weights or you know swing a kettlebell you know go go for your your long run or your your kind of your sprints Jesus Christ, man, my head starts to move. And it happened to me today. My plan was not to exercise today. Got to three or four o'clock today, man. And I was just kind of jittering, you know, like I was like, what's going on? Like, I need to move. I need to move. And then I, I, when it came to five o'clock, I was like, I need to go out and stretch legs, go for a couple of, go for a couple of kilometer run. Now it was only 5k in the end, but it, it just got me moving. But like for the likes of yourself there that's used to putting serious miles on the clock, if you sat at home, I suppose you'd go fucking mental off together, would you? I do. You know, I was laughing. It's me and my wife, we live in a four-bedroom house here in Leitrim, right? Because they don't build houses with less bedrooms. You know, they only build big houses. Big families. Houses. Yeah. And it's only me and Trina, like, and we have two cats, right? But I would say, I'm in this house. Like, I'm away working most of the week, right? And then I'm in the house, uh, let's say, Saturday and Sunday. But my wife works on a Saturday. So I leave this house when she leaves for work and I ain't home until she's home from work. So I go and train for the whole day, mm. whether that's driving to go training, training and then driving home for training. But I'm not in this house for a second. I cannot sit down for five minutes. man. I'm mm. the hardest man in the world to be married to because I just don't want to do nothing. And even on our days off, I'd be a dose like because I'd be like rattling around in the house like I can't yeah. sit in the house for too long you know and even though I know I should probably be resting you know it's just something I just don't want to be sitting down like I just think come on we have to do something we have to do something yeah yeah like and I actually admittedly I you know I like watching a movie as much as the next lad like or you know like making a bit of content there for the podcast well I don't actually enjoy making the content for the podcast I love the chat hate the actual you know the editing because it's just not you know, it's not me. I like the art of the conversation. But, yeah, man, it's just this, this sitting around. Like, this, the sedentary lifestyle just doesn't suit me as much as I'd love to be able to sit down all day, like, and just chill out. And don't get me wrong, some days, some days there, like, if I was hungover. Now, I don't drink that much anymore. But if I was hungover or something, you know, the last thing you want to do is go out and go for a run. Even though I saw you head out this morning, you were after a couple of gas. <laughs> oh, yesterday, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like that, believe me, like, there's there's days, look, don't get me wrong as well, like, I do watch Netflix, me and train to watch Netflix most evenings, you know, when I'm at home. I love watching Netflix. Like, we're watching series at the minute you know or something like that like and i love that that's our time together on the couch whatever and that's great you know and i love sleeping in every now and again as well i like i like a lie-in as well but hanging around hanging around the house mm. doing that no that's i can't yeah, yeah. do that yeah i can enjoy the little bit of relaxing in between like but i just i wouldn't be one for sitting in a house all day i always think that look at this there's only so many hours in the day. Let's do something. Come on, you know, especially you... in your days off, because we're all going to work to do something we probably don't really want to do. Anyway. <laughs> okay. and that's one thing I always say, like people always say to me, geez, I don't know how you do it there. Like in the evening on a winter's night after work, you know, you were up on a roof all day thinking, look, at if I'm if I'm willing to go, go to a place that I don't really want to for eight, nine, ten hours a day, I'm surely going to spend an hour doing something I love doing, you know? Yeah. 
what like you you obviously travel a bit for work with the with the construction like what what does that like how does that affect your training are you a morning training or trainer or an evening or what no, i'm an evening trainer because like i'm gone out of my house at quarter past five in the morning oh, and i'm course. on the road so like at the minute we're fitting solar panels all over the country so um i'm like tomorrow like we'll say i get up at a quarter past five and i'll head for wicklow We'll do two jobs. We'll do one in Wicklow, one in Wexford. Stay in a hotel, get up, do two jobs the following day, and then yeah. I'll drive home. And then, so it could be seven o'clock in the evening before I get home. Then I just go. I, it's like, but it's it's funny. It's like even though it's not routine, I make it a routine that the minute I finish work, I get into a hotel room or into my house. I go. I have a shower. I always have a shower, man. Get my body super warm, you know, because I'm usually outside all day mm-hmm. and. Even if it's not cold, it feels like my bones are stiff or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So then I go in, I'll have a shower, and then I just go run. And it's usually around 18K. I, I kind of average around 18K a day, you know, from Monday to Friday. And then I do two long runs at the weekend. And yeah, I do be super tired and stuff like that. But look, for me, it's easy because I, my goal is always a race. And I want to do well in that race, you know? So for me, it's easy for me to do it because... I know what I want and I know what it takes to get there, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't struggle with motivation. That's actually very interesting what you said there, but making it a routine because I actually started a new job there the, the start of January. And like I'm I'm from Cork, I'm living in Galway, but the job is back down in Cork. Now I can work from home here in Galway, like, you know, um, a couple of times a week. But I actually went back to the parents' house and I had to stay a couple of days there last week, three days, and I stayed down couple of days the weekend there the long weekend but i just my routine was thrown out of thrown out of sorts all together like i would normally train maybe three days of weights two two days of running and if i can get in a day of swimming as well i'll do that but like oh man i was thrown all out of sorts last week you know i was sleeping in because i lived closer to to my work you know and stuff like that i wasn't exercising and i think that was half oh it wrecked wrecked my head just the lack of routine and the lack of what i was used to so i was thinking about you as you were telling me that you kind of travel a bit for work i was like oh man i don't know i don't know is that like an ocd thing or something that's wrong with me or wrong with me mentally but the routine and me like i i don't know how you do that like but um but we'll say i get what you're saying because if you're used to going to a gym, a certain gym, and then you go to another gym and you're thrown out of sync totally because it's not your gym. You're not used to those machines. You're not used to those weights. You're not used to the time that you're in that gym as well. Like, And all those things can throw you out of sync. And it's the very same for me when I go to these places. A lot of the time, I don't know where to run. You know, I have no idea where to run. So I got to go into my phone and into, and like I have a Sunto watch. So I got to go into the Sunto app. I got to go and make a route because it's at nighttime usually as well. It's mm. dark. So I have to, I have to get a head torch on. I have to get the high vis on. But as well, I have to map out something, you know, and I'm not sure where I'm going. But that's the great thing about having like a good watch or a good app on your phone that you can just do that. Make a route. And I just say, I need to run 16K today, 18K today. I know what I have to do anyway. And then that's it. I put that in my thing. I'd start the watch. And I just go and I try and block out that this isn't like when I first was doing that, you know what I mean? You're thinking, oh, man, I'm so used to my blue way. I run a, yeah. like I literally walk outside my door here outside this house 
and I'm on the blue way, you know, and I've got an 18k loop, I've got a 25k loop, and they're bread and butter to me, you know. Mm. I love them. There's no traffic, there's no cars, there's no nothing. There's hardly any people. I never meet anybody. I love it. But then when I'm in a city, I could be in Dublin, I could be in Wicklow, Galway, it could be anywhere. I haven't a clue where I'm going. But I'm very good at just saying, Rick, doesn't matter. You just need to get 16k done. And even if I had to run 8k one way, turn around and run 8k back, I'd do it. I'd just get yeah. it done, man. Yeah, that's that's very good. And actually, the trick, even with the shower, I know you you work manual labor and kind of like um, at the keyboard all day, but it's actually a good one because I actually find it's a strange one with me. Like I hate um, I hate working out, you know, after I've been sitting down all day, you know, the same clothes on, even that sort of shit. You know, I just feel yeah. like clammy or whatever. So actually, the shower thing actually sounds like a good idea, even though you wouldn't be cold, like, but it could get you going. But um it will. It just it just freshens you up or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You know, and then you're you're just nice and warm. You put on your gear then as well, you know, and you're just that's it, ready to go. It nearly actually I think it nearly tricks your head into thinking, all right, it's first thing on a Saturday morning, we're going. Yeah. You know? What's your story then with how do you couple do you do uh strength and conditioning along with running or stretching, yoga, any of that sort of stuff? Um, we'd say with strength and conditioning, I do a small bit. Like I do some squats and I do some deadlifts. But to be honest, I don't do a whole pile because of my job. Like I'm up and down a roof all day. I'm up and down mm. ladders all day. Believe me, man, like that's like going to the gym for eight hours a day, you know. So there's only so many, so much more strength and condition I can do, you know. Like yeah. there's certain things I will do. Like I'm a big fan of the the decline squats because I have a meniscus tear and I just find that that is bulletproof in my two knees you know mm. so it's just like a squat a 30 degree angle and as well as that even if i don't do the squats at home when i'm up on a roof man and i must take a video of myself doing it someday i'd be bouncing out squats above on a roof i can imagine you know, yeah, if, it's yeah. got, if it's got a 30 degree pitch on it or 35 degrees because 30 degrees is like the ideal uh angle to be doing these squats at, and i'd be just bouncing them out i could do three or four hundred squats <laughs> the meniscus will be bulletproof yeah yeah you know so it's stuff like that like i'd be messing around with that like doing calf raises when i'm carrying slates up a ladder you know yeah 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 but you're you're making use of your environment like um i want to i want to go back there to the actual the ultra running itself what like what is the longest distance and kind of what kind of time time scale did that take you to do that like competing wise that you've done yeah, so the, my longest race was the Kerry Way 200, so 200 kilometers. Well, it's 197 kilometers. And I ran that in 22 hours and 52 minutes. So, like, I would have won it. I came second in that race. How long? And I would have won it every other year, bar one. But Jesus that's Christ, ultra man. running at the minute, yeah. man. Yeah. A guy from Limerick called John McHugh won it, you know. And he wanted, he was 25 minutes ahead of me, something like that. But I mean, like, I was hoping to run that in about 24 hours and I ended up running 22.53 or something like that. Jesus. So, yeah, that was that was a brilliant race. And then actually since then, the guy who came third to me, uh, Keith Lane is his name, another fantastic runner. And Keith actually won it last year in 21 hours and 18 minutes. Jesus Christ. You know? Man, so that, like that's mental yeah. like yeah it's and i'm telling you like these guys are guys that i know got to know through racing them you know and mm. then feeding off them getting friendly with them and learning from them you know and that's how we all get better like you know like keith went back 
and took nearly an hour off John's record. Like John put a course record on that. Like I was nearly going to put a course record on it, only I came second. Yeah, and yeah. then and then Keith goes and he, he takes an hour off that. But in the process of that, Keith was on the phone to me, Manny's the time, and on the phone to John, you know, trying to find out where we could make up time. And we mm. were trying to like sort of see how fast this run could actually be done you know it's like that's the very cool thing about this sport so you know, you're it's actually you're strategizing with each other how to cut a couple of fucking like, minutes off here and there and stuff yeah 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 that's gas that you kind of feed off each other because i presume there's a competitive edge obviously like you know it's a race and you probably like if you're competing on the same race you want to beat each other like you know that's ultimately yeah, how yeah. a race goes um but it's it's good like that you're kind of strategizing as well at the same time you know like how the fuck can we make this you know yeah faster? like we'd say for for that race myself and Keith Lane we had never met and uh, we decided look it I'm going to be going down to Kerry to to Recky and he was saying well I'm going out to Kerry I says well sure how about we do it together and we're competing against each other we want to beat each other you know and we um. We trained together. We did four days. We did the course in four days, you know. So we did a, four, a 60K day, a 40K day, a 60K day, and a 25K day. And we were, like, living, staying in the same hotels, da, 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 whatever, having the chats. Totally different approach to training. I mean, mm. like, totally different. Like, black and white now. But yet, that's the cool thing about ultra running as well. And I had this conversation with somebody as well the other day that if you took 10 10K runners... I guarantee you the 10 of them are pretty much doing the exact same training. And it's probably going to be a little bit of genetics or DNA or just talent that's going to win out of those 10 lads. But you can take 10 ultra runners and you can have 10 totally different approaches. And none of those are bad approaches, you know. Mm. All of those approaches could work in ultra running. And that's what's so cool about ultra running. Yeah. Do you think this might be a silly question? No, but I just kind of interested to ask it. Like, if I took your head, we'll say no, and put it on someone else's body, would you be able to run an ultra? So I suppose what I'm asking you really is: is an ultra race all to do with the mind? I know you've, you know, there's a physicality element, obviously, but can you overrun that physicality element with with the, the right willpower? Do you reckon? Depends on the race, like. I know lads that are unbreakable, that are unstoppable. You know, they would go for days without sleep, but that's no good in a fast race. Mm. You know, like if you take Kerry, for instance, I know lots of lads that can dog it out and they'll definitely finish the race, but they probably won't win the race because they're not quick enough mm. because there's certain races where they're just fast and they're runners races. And it's not enough. Like a couple of years ago, I used to think that, Ultra running is a, is a slog. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just how long can you suffer for how long? But I'm afraid that's not ultra running anymore. Speed. All the guys from marathon distance are coming into ultras now, you know? Mm. Like, even if you look at the UTMB races over in France or any of the big UTMB races in the World Series, they're so fast now. Like, guys are smashing records left, right, and center because they're just all fast now, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that day of the the real long slogger toughen it out yeah yeah but then there is certain races where that works where if you look at something like the spine you know over in wales the spine is like a five-day uh, endurance event Jesus. where you know what i mean where you're living on nothing you're living on 
like couple hours of sleep a day, you know, you're trying to cover serious ground over serious terrain in torrential weather, freezing cold conditions, Baltic, you know, and, and it, like that. Again, like they're just so different. They're like ultra running has so many things it can throw at you. Like so yeah. a race like that, the guy who can run the marathon in two twenty six, it's no good to him there. Like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know, it- is there like there's obviously no sub disciplines within the ultra? Would you have guys that would only do the fast races and other guys that are you know in it for the long slog sloggers? Like, see, you will have something like so. You have the I'm going over to do a race called the CCC in France, it's 110k with 6,000 meters of climb. Sounds crazy, awful, but it's a fast, <laughs> yeah, it's a fast race, but then. On the same weekend, you actually have the UTMB race, which is 170 kilometers with 10,000 meters of climbing. Mm. So that's the kind of race where the hybrid athlete is going to do really well. The guy who can move pretty quick, but is tough, as mm-hmm. in almost unbreakable, serious willpower, because willpower is what you need in those kind of races, you know, because eventually the speed is going to go. You know what I mean? You're only going to be pushing at the high pace for so long until your legs give out, you know, and then, then you're relying on your mental side. You're, you're, it's, it's all a mental thing then after that, like, cause believe me, man, there's, there's every fiber in your body wants you to quit. Like, you know, you're, everything is telling you, oh man, would you just go home? Like nobody cares. Just go home. You know, nobody's going to be giving out to you. Just, yeah. you're all right. You're grand, you know, just, just go home, you know, but, it's it just the mental side kicks over and it's like no man i'm finishing this i'm doing this you know yeah yeah what's um are you still plant-based yeah all the time yeah 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 Yeah. uh four years now yeah Yeah. what spurred that decision uh a few things like i tried every diet and um some of them would work and some of them would work really well but I always found that if I got about 70K into a race, I started getting sick, you know, I started getting stomach problems. And at the time, I thought, sure, look, this is normal. You know, I saw a lot of YouTube videos and there was these American dudes and they were puking around the place like it's part of ultra running. It's not, though, you know, it's it shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't mm. be getting sick, you know, and because it's having a massive impact on your race because you're not getting any calories in, you know. So I was trying to figure out what am I going to do, you know. And then also there was other things where my recovery wasn't as good, you know. I mean, I'd be doing long training sessions and the next day I'd be very tired or I'd be very tired for a week after that. And I just read a bit about the vegan diet, plant-based diets that the, you've a lot less inflammation in your body. Mm. So your recovery is way quicker, you know. And that's kind of why I started straight away. I was like, well, I'll give it a go, you know. And then just in that, I realized, you know what, like I'm able to do races now and I don't feel like getting sick. I'm able to get calories in. I'm recovering really well. So it was a no brainer for me, you know, and it was an easy diet for me to do. You know, I'm very good at doing something like that. I'm very good at like saying, well, you can't have this. I'm very Mm. good like saying, well, okay, I can't have that now. Well, then I don't want it. That's fine. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And if it's going to make me better in my sport, then I'm all for it, like, you know? Yeah. So I'm very easily swayed over to that side and go, yeah, well, this is working for me now, so I'm all in. Like. Yeah. Did, um, 
Yeah, no, that that's interesting it, because I actually did a podcast with my brother. He's he's a doctor, like, and he's he's a vegan as well, fierce into the lifestyle of medicine. You know, a big proponent of it from every angle, from the environment to more, or from the ethical and from the performance and and health benefits as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's just interesting to actually talk to you. Just like, well, I've been listening to him for years as well. Like, but um, yeah, it's it it does seem like it's coming into to the mainstream now that it seems to be the way to go. No, like like Jesus, you know, there's diets for everyone, and again, like whatever you feel best yourself doing it. You know, I suppose if you're not trying up like yourself in the race, you probably never would have even thought about changing your diet. Like, um, so yeah, it's a bit of like investigation as well. But what does your what does your kind of meal plans look like the day or two before or even the week leading up to what are you eating lots of what are you eating little of yeah i'm i'm very simple as in i nearly eat the same thing every day like i wake up i have a bagel with peanut butter and jam that's every day and then we say for lunch i could have a wrap with falafel and salad in it like that's nearly every single day and then every single day my dinner is the exact same it's a massive bowl of vegetables like i mean a massive bowl and it usually has something like chickpeas or falafel or something like that for protein mm. you know and then i have lots of carbohydrates would say i'll either pasta or gnocchi or rice or something like that you know and i keep it as simple as i can because that way I know that it's working, you know, mm. and I'm not throwing that extra into it. I'm not trying a load of new things. And then come race week, nothing needs to change. I just yeah. keep that going the same way. I might just add in more carbohydrates on the week of a race. You know, yeah. I load up on the carbs, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't really focus too much on anything. I just kind of keep it the same, you know, it's keep the same, same, nearly three, six, five, man. You know, you don't I, complicate it. Like you just, yeah, keep I don't, it. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, what like, about I find if something works, keep it that I'm way doing, keep it that way yeah. yeah what about are you like supplementing with protein sh- vegan protein shakes or anything like that now no they the only supplements I, I don't take any protein supplements at all i never was one for the protein shakes anyway it's just something i never bothered with you know yeah like i drink a lot of like oat milk almond milk i drink a lot of those kind of milks just i but i don't take protein shakes but the two things i do take is i take turmeric and b12 supplement and mm. and uh i take a joint supplement um just like it's like uh i, I thought you were gonna say i, t- I take a joint it's like <laughs> a joint and a dinner race it's just uh it's like it, i don't know it's supposed to help with your bone cartilage and stuff like that and yeah. it's you know i don't know does it work but I feel like it works, you know, it's like everything, like are they placebos or whatever, but sure, if you think mm. they work, then they work, you know. Absolutely, lad. Jesus, yeah, you're dead right. I suppose we'll, we'll finish up soon, but I want to get on to the 14th of was June or July last year. Uh, the 11th, the 11th. 11th, 11th. Yeah. So you, you are now a world record holder um, for the most amount of metres ascended and descended yeah um, on foot in 24 hours on yeah. foot in 24 hours and you did it up um your local i suppose up your local mountain Crowpatrick. um what was what was the idea behind it was it um something that you wanted to achieve or was it kind of was the charity you know the big driving factor behind it i suppose you know with it's a big cause and it's a big you know event so you you know like what was the thinking behind it or what was kind of the, the driving factor? Yeah, it's funny because 
I never did anything for charity before. Do you know, I never did. Like, I, I might have, like, we'll say, gave a few pounds here and there for something, you know, or I remember mm. I maybe was involved in a cycle, a club cycle or something, but it, it wasn't something I, I, I thought about or had to organise or, or do anything like that. And I never really felt like I was actually going to ever do something like that. It's just uh, something I never really thought about. But then a friend of mine was diagnosed with motor neuron disease, you know. He's a man that I worked with for years in the buildings and his son actually played football with me and everything. His son's around the same age as me. He's, I'm a few years older than him. And uh, he's great crack, unbelievable crack. Loves Likes a pint, loves a bet and a horse, loves the horse. He's just great crack. And like, he got that. And like, I had already seen two men from my from my town as well get that, you know? And they've sadly passed away from it. And I saw what it did to them. And they weren't, I wasn't that close to them. But when he got it, it was like, whoa, this is not yeah. good. You know? And I was like, I, I actually felt like, geez, there has to be something I can do, you know? And it, it kind of hit me pretty hard. Like, and I was thinking that there has to be something I can do. And, and before we say, I train a lot on ProPatrick, you know, and I had conversations with people about um, how many times, because I've often gone up at, four or five times just training like and mm. someone would say how many times do you think you could do it in a day and I said I haven't a clue man I haven't a clue but one day I did find out that there was 11 guys that went up and down Propatrick 12 times in 24 hours and they had originally set that record that was they had the world record on that and that was back in 2011 and it hadn't been nobody had done it since so nobody had ever gone up at 13 times you know so I was thinking I could do it 13 times you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could try and raise money for more than neuron disease you know and as I dug into it then I found out that the world record was X amount of meters you know and I said hold on a second now and I said if I go up and down that 15 times I break that world record you know and then it was like yeah but sure Rick you're not going to go up and down 15 times like yeah, no yeah. way I was thinking no but sure we'll give it a go like you know and if I get 13 I'm winning you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I, at least I'll have that. Like, and I'll say that I was the first person to ever go up and down Crovatic 13 times, you know. But look, as as I was training for that, I was training for Seven Sisters in Donegal. And I was putting in huge training for that race. And that race got me in serious shape for Crovatic. And I was, on the day, like on the 11th of June, it was pissing down with rain. It was pissing down with rain. And everyone was looking around and like, I saw one man, I won't say his name, but he looked at me like, and he went, like, do you really think you're going to be able to do this? Is know? there a screw missing <laughs> yeah, here? Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I could see in his face that this man didn't think I had a hope of doing it. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I was just looking at him. I was saying, "Oh man, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So you know, this is happening." Like, you know. But it was so funny because there was so many people there, like from where I live, you know, and they were coming and going, and I live an hour and a half from there, you know, and some of those people would have been two, three hours away from there, and they were coming all day, they were bringing buns for other people, cakes, you know, drinks, everything, and it was great crack, like, you know, mm. like, every time I came down, there was somebody else to talk to and have the crack with, and Eamon himself and his wife, like, Eamon is the man that has, has more than neuron disease, and he was there, and his sons were there, you know, and a lot of people walked up and down it, you know, and Eamon even managed to get to the top, man. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. and while I was going up and down, I met him and going up and he was mm -hmm. with his son. And after the third time, so I had gone up and down three times. And after the third time, he was about halfway up. 
Mm. I was looking at my older brother was running with me at the time. And I said to Alan, I said, I'm telling you, Alan, if Eamon Reynolds gets to the top of this fucking mountain, I can't go home unless I get to, I, I can't go home 15. unless I get this world record. Like, yeah, I can't, yeah. you know, there's no way I can't do it now, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that was it. Like, that was enough for me just to, you if know, knock it out. Do of the it with his disease and you can yeah, do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, it was incredible. Like, and he got up there and everything. Like, and I was like, Jesus Christ, man, I have to do this now. And I, look, I will say it went pretty smooth and it was brilliant, except for two. So, number five. So, I went up the first two or three pretty quick because I wanted to give myself a little cushion and then I said right now I'll settle in into the pace that I was actually going to do them at and number five came and I was really hurting I was like this isn't this is weird now because I'm actually really really hurting like my hamstrings were really sore my glutes were really sore my quads were really sore and I was thinking this is not good you know and I came down after number five and I said it to my wife and I said it to my older brother and I said, geez, I don't know that, you know, but then I got up in number six and then number seven and okay, everything was hurting, but it didn't get any worse, mm. you know, and I was sort of saying, well, that's okay. Like, you know, I'm sore, but I can manage this if it doesn't get any worse and it never got any worse. It just stayed like that until number 13 and then number 13, um, the sun came out just for about like two minutes and I went, <laughs> Oh, not so bad. And I actually said to myself, Do you know what? I might get to finish this in a t-shirt, you know? Yeah, and then yeah. bang, the clouds came <laughs> over, the sky went black. Lovely. Oh, man, and it was Baltic cold, you know, because the sun was just after coming up. So it was only like maybe half six in the morning or something like that. And um, the sun came up for those two minutes and then it pissed down right on top of me. I was freezing cold and when i got down after 13 i thought oh man i i don't know i don't know how i'm gonna this get world this record can stay on the mountain yeah <laughs> but then it's so funny because i went up what happened was on number 13 because i was so cold on the descent i was nearly walking i was in so much pain and i was so mm. stiff and i was so cold and that was my slowest time to come down the whole day and i thought well that's it my my downhill legs are gone so i gotta get up number 14 quicker than I've gone up all day because I can't come down quick anymore so I got up 14 quicker than I got up all day I turned around and I came down 13 like I did all day it was yeah amazing like it was like my body just said you're all right Rick you're grand do you think it was do you think it was that thing that we were talking about earlier you know like you knew that all you had to do to beat the Irish one was 13 laps up and down but and then you kind of thought again, you're like, I fucking said I was going for 15. That yeah. I'm, not, I'm not stopping here now. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Of, it, it was probably my way of sort of let, uh, get out of jail free card. Yeah, like, look at it. I said I'd be happy enough with 13, you know. But then, yeah, the other bit kicked in where, no, 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 you know. And that's, and maybe if I was on my own, I could have left it at that, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. But the only thing is, I had so many good people around me that were like, just Go G and, me on and, and and you know they're they're expecting you to do do the thing you you set out to do like you know yeah so, I love yeah, it was it was an I amazing love, day I love I love that no like and I actually love you know like hearing I I I like reading books and stuff like that now and then and and I'd always I love quotes and things like that and I love applying them to real life and I just when you were at about uh, number five and you you said there you were like um. I felt the pain 
but I kept going and it wasn't that the pain left. It just didn't get any worse. And it just reminded me of the quote, make friends with pain and you'll never be lonely. <laughs> I, I just thought, man, that's fucking so true. You know, like if you can become comfortable in pain, you know, you'll never be fucking lonely, man. Yeah. Or you, yeah. you know, you can conquer anything like that's fucking that's mad. Like, no. Yeah. It's like I, I, I have to say, like, I'm not a. I'm not a very deep person, you know, I, I don't have like massive um, like things going on in my brain to get me through. But there's certain things that I pick up on. And it's like, you know, when you see someone like Ellie Kipchoge and Kipchoge yeah. running at 250 a kilometer and he looks like he's having fun. You know, he almost looks like he's smiling and people are thinking like, ah, oh, he's unbelievable. He's a machine. And yeah, he's a machine. But what he's very good at is very good at being comfortable being uncomfortable yeah that's yeah, what he yeah. is you know he is in a shit ton of pain yeah, but he's yeah. just comfortable in that pain he knows yeah, yeah. what it's going to take to get the job done you know and i always think like that it's like like you said you know you make friends with the pain like the pain is always going to come it is always going to come so when it does come don't be surprised it's there like, yeah, yeah. sit don't... with it fight it. yeah, yeah. Don't, don't be saying what's this all about what do you mean what's this all about you knew this was coming but yeah. it just might have came a little bit earlier than you were expecting that's all you know yeah, yeah. it's like yeah that's like fucking goggins there as well you know he he he's always going on about that man get comfortable being uncomfortable yeah and, uh, when he's on about the hell week there, like, uh, you know, that he's on, like, and he said, I fucking switch him, man. I pretend I'm the I'm the guard in the in the park or the, the lieutenant or the sergeant in the park uh, shouting down at me. And I looked him in the eye and say, I ain't yeah. leaving, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. the, the quote I love from Goggins is the one where he just says, uh, ain't no grave going to hold me down, motherfucker. Oh, I love that line. His, I his love quote- that line. His quarter are going like, who, who's yeah. going to carry the boats? And uh, <laughs> you don't know me, son. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's brilliant. I suppose um, <clears throat> fair play to you, man. That's, that is absolutely unbelievable. Like, um, and I think it's probably, it's probably a good place to end as well. Um, so do you, do you have any advice to anyone that's listening to this that, maybe wants to give ultra running an attempt or any sort of physical activity. What's your advice to someone that's listening to this, that's struggling to find something for them or they want to give something new a go and they want to get good at something new. What's your advice to them? Yeah. My advice is look, find something. I always say you have to find the joy in something, right? Like I love this sport. Like anyone that ever listens to me, they have to hear how much I love this, you know, because as hard as it is, I talk about it and I love talking about it. I love doing it. I love I love everything there is about this sport, right? But that's running. That's just running. Not everybody loves running as much as I love running. I don't care if you love knitting. If you love knitting, knit. And knit every day if you can, if that's what makes you happy, you know? Because that's all you need to do. You need to keep practicing every day, you know? I'm not saying you have to run 20K or 30 every day but you have to do something every day or every other day to get good at it you can't expect to get good at anything overnight everything mm. takes time as in i didn't get where i am today in a in a flash it took seven years of hard work running 120 130 kilometers a week for seven years you know what i mean like so it takes a long time to get good at something but when you do get good at it you know what i mean there's nothing yeah. quite like it like this is a drug man 
exercise is a drug and it's yeah. the best drug you can have like and my advice to anybody starting off is when you do start off start slow start small you know don't go don't be a hero you know you don't need to be a hero just just start slow start small be patient with it and eventually your body you just get so used to it and then you can add in more volume you can add in more speed and you just get better and better them small daily improvements amount to a lot over time don't they yeah yeah ricky man it's been an absolute pleasure and delighted that we finally got around to it and i think you know what that was fucking stunning listening to some of that stuff was absolutely brilliant um cheers man cheers, cheers. cheers. absolute pleasure thanks guys